Hello and welcome to the Sky U Podcast by The Daily Gopher. I'm Chris, go away you fur. With me this week is Mark, and Mo0018. Mark, you have the worst username. It's my Minnesota email. Oh, so now everybody can email you. Well, I mean, it's it's since deceased. Starting off the podcast real depressing there, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> I, I killed my email. Uh, we got Steve's, Zipsa Akron. What's up? Let's do some basketball talk. And you, Streets. Hey, y'all. So, that Michigan game was a thing that happened that I didn't watch, and since I didn't watch it, I think we should go to Mark, who can actually give real thoughts about it. Yeah, so, out of our comment, or not commenters, sorry, out of the contributors on this podcast, apparently I'm the only one who actually saw the game in its entirety. Now, I don't believe that that necessarily entitles me to a monopoly on the truth, but I do believe that this was a game that the Gophers, in fact, should have won, as most readers of the blog now know based off of my very uh, aggressive recap of the game. The reason I say this is, A, because Michigan shot 3 of 22 from 3, which was a historically bad number for them, as well as thirty, well, rounding up 34% from the field. And even while they're at home and a superiorly talented team than us, I think that those numbers indicate uh, the chance for a victory, which we allowed to be squandered due to our uh, 16 turnovers and just some poorly timed offensive drought, which is becoming a theme this year. Now, U Street did point out that the fact that I said a 15-minute, uh, I forget the exact term I used, but since 15 minutes... I believe minutes, you used a really quick 15-minute drought. Right, something something along those <laughs> a lines. A key 15-minute stretch. Yes, and while that is three-eighths of the game, at the same time, they it wasn't... It wasn't like most games where you know that the other team is overmatched and eventually the better team is going to come back and win. In this case, we actually came out of the half and increased the lead from three, which it was at the half, to seven, and we're playing fine in the first uh, two minutes of the of the second half, and then it all went to, uh, you know, it all went to hell after that. The offense stagnated. They were lacking the aggression that they had on both the offensive and defensive boards. And so Michigan eventually made a few shots, but they were also aided by just some terrible, very uh, amateurish mistakes made by the Gophers. They fouled, they fouled Bradzikis twice shooting three-pointers while he had no rhythm. We, you know, he, he, went, he ended up being one of seven from three, and they fouled him twice giving him the opportunity to get these free points and there were a couple of other really poorly timed turnovers that led to fast breaks and that that was the snowball that eventually led to that 22 to 5 run that I mentioned in the in the recap and I just think that admittedly like outside of the this one game Michigan beats us you know 9 out of 10 or whatever proportion you want to assign it to but in just the context of this game, I definitely think that it was there for the taking, and I think it was a missed opportunity because Michigan wasn't playing their best, and unfortunately, neither were we, and we still only lost at the buzzer. So even with a 
I don't know, maybe a B effort from us, B minus. We it's it's not like we had an A plus effort and came up two points short. And so in general, I just I think it was a missed opportunity, and I was a little harsh on uh, Patino and Isaiah Washington. But I'll let someone else talk about Isaiah's role in this game. Steve, I'm going to go to you for that. Well, I mean, I, I'm not going to disagree that it was a squandered opportunity. It definitely was, and you gotta you gotta take those road opportunities whenever you can, especially against the Michigan. But really, in, in any conference game when you're on the road, it's it's gonna be tough to it, it's gonna be tough to win. Um, I have uh, from a long line of Gopher fandom where it really never dawned on me that it was a winnable game until Gabe Kalisher hit the three to tie it. So I'm not gonna say I was ever really invested or seriously took the Gophers seriously enough to think that they're gonna win this game. Just uh, you know, too numb to those type of things these days. But that's not to say that. Um, it wasn't a, a, a missed opportunity, and it kind of it kind of sucks at the at, at the end of the day. Um, two point loss, fifteen point loss, twenty point loss. I mean, at the end of the day, it's a it, it, it's in the loss column. I'm a little more concerned. Eh, I'm, I won't say concerned. I'm curious to see how they come back after a game like this, where they played up to an opponent again, um, which is a good thing. You know, beating Wisconsin on the road was huge. Playing up to Michigan and losing by two is nothing to scoff at. But how do they take this and learn from it, grow from it? Um, playing Michigan tight, um, regardless of how they look down the court, um, can you apply that to an Iowa at home? Can you apply that to an Indiana at home? Um, if this is some sort of turning point and they can you know, take some momentum out of a close loss to a national powerhouse, that maybe you can look at that as some as some sort of of of, of victory or a win. Um, I think it's too early to tell how that's you know how that's going to play out. Um, but we can't <laughs> we can't go back and change the outcome of the game. So you know it it sucks in that regard. Um, what we saw on the court, I mean, it was more the same. Mo's right. I mean, uh, it was long droughts of offensive stagnation. That is a theme this year. The Gophers have been able to pull themselves together by the end of the game for the most part um, and, and and pull things out. And once again, came back, stormed back, erased a 10-point lead or, or a 10-point deficit. More concerning for me, I guess, was third straight game for Amir Coffey where he wasn't necessarily impactful. He had some impactful moments, but he wasn't impactful overall. You know, his line was, again, not not super great. 11 points, 4 of 11 from the field. Um and then just Isaiah Washington. I mean, 12 minutes, no points, zero of one from the field, five turnovers. I mean, this is becoming a problem. I was hoping he was going to turn the corner. He's not turning the corner. He's a liability. I mean, Michael Hurt outplayed him in that game, and that's definitely saying something. So, I don't know. It's moral victory, I guess, but who wants those? We'll see how it plays out over the next few weeks. Steve, is this team where you thought they'd be at this point in the season you know it it feels it feels like they're behind and I think that's the Illinois game still in the back of our minds I at four and four in the conference if you're just looking at the straight up numbers I feel like this is where they would be about they stole one from Wisconsin gave one back at Illinois um you look at the rest of the schedule rest of January into February I mean we're we're past the soft part and they did not pick that one up against Illinois. Um, you're looking down the barrel of 
um, Iowa at home. You get another one against Illinois, but then you're going to face Purdue, Wisconsin, Michigan State, Nebraska on the road, Indiana, Michigan. I mean, that is <laughs> that's a murderous role of the conference, and you got to make it rain um, the rest of the year if you're going to want to get into the tournament. But that's not to say I'd, it's not too far off where, they, where I thought they'd be by now. Um, but it's always going to be a tough schedule, and we're we're, we're kind of right where they are. Street, how about you? Are you are you feeling this is what you expected so far? Yeah, not the Illinois loss, obviously, and certainly not getting the getting blown out of the gym against Illinois. In some sense, the Michigan game is a little bit weird because while I did not personally watch it, if you asked me, did I think they were going to lose by seven possessions, I would have said yes. So losing at the buzzer is not all that surprising, though, as Mark emphasized, obviously Michigan had an off game. I would merely note that I think a lot of times we tend to not give Minnesota enough credit on the defensive floor. Uh, the defensive part of the floor when their opponent has an off game. It is the case that when Minnesota is really connected on defense, they're a very good defensive basketball team in part because it's just really long. So it's hard to it's hard to get shots. I'm not obviously sure if that was specific Michigan's problem, but it's definitely been problems in other games. You know, the Wisconsin game is a good example where Wisconsin did very bad shooting the three in particular. In part, that was because Minnesota was very happy to let Nate Reavers shoot and get all over shooters uh, who they were actually worried about. So four and four is roughly where I expected. I think you, I think I, I think they really, the, the game they threw away in some sense is the Maryland game. And that's because there is never a period of time in which you should let your opponent be shooting something like 70% from the floor. And that's like before the effective field goal adjustment. That thing I think was a bit of a bummer. And obviously the Illinois one, I'd like them to be five and three because if you look at the rest of the schedule, we're all generally in agreement that 10 wins gets them into the tournament. And right now you got to figure out where you come up with six wins on this schedule, which would be substantially difficult, is substantially more difficult than figuring out where you come up with four, which is what would have occurred had they beat Illinois and held on at Maryland. Yeah. The, I mean, the next question of course is, do we think they make the NCAA tournament? And I mean, I, I don't see how they do given the schedule they've got left, but I'm kind of interested, uh, in what, uh, y'all have to say about it. Mark, do you think they make the tournament? It, that's a good question. And, uh, as street and zips mentioned, uh, the rest of the schedule is a bear. Now, one thing that they do have going for them is it is widely acknowledged that the Big Ten is the deepest conference in the country this year, and all the projections currently have anywhere from 8 to 10 Big Ten teams in the tournament, and obviously we're the 10th team in, in most of those projections. But uh, the conference being strong allows you to possibly have a 9-11 and 11 conference record and sneak in. I... At this time, going through it, it's hard to tell because they've already done the thing where they've won a game that they shouldn't have in Madison and then lost a game that they had definitely shouldn't have at Illinois. So to project going forward what they might do in these games where we say, oh, these four wins, these five are losses, it's... I personally am of the opinion that the talent is there for them to make the tournament and the talent is there for them to, you know, have a decent push here at the end, especially with Eric Curry, Curry coming back and 
working his way back to full strength. He had a strong game against Michigan, and I think if he continues to improve his play, that's going to bode well for us in these later games. So to shorten my answer, I'm going to say yes, they do make the tournament because I'm an eternal optimist, even though I'm a Gopher fan. It's a bad combination. I agree. Steve, what do you think? You know, I share some of the same sentiment. I've been encouraged by the way they've played up to opponents, which is, I don't know, how you, do you want to play up to opponents and not play and, and also play down to opponents? Probably not. You want to be playing at a high level at all times. Um, but they've just been such a Jekyll and Hyde, like destroying Rutgers, getting destroyed by Illinois, um, beating Wisconsin on the road, almost beating Michigan on the road. I mean, it's like this weird give and take where, if if that plays out for the rest of the year, then you almost look at them as picking up a few victories where they shouldn't hold and serve against you know some of the re- remaining Illinois and Rutgers of the of the league of, of, of which they still have two more of those. Although playing in Piscataway where Rutgers is these days is not looking like any sort of picnic. Um, but it seems like they're they definitely have the talent to take to pick off a few games, and if we're trying to get to that nine win level, which means five more, I don't know. I mean, that's playing five hundred the rest of the way. Is, is that something they can do? Yes. Is it something they will do? Who knows? But I I've liked what I've seen enough times when they've won that I think it's definitely within reach. So, like Mark, optimistic. I don't know how, but it's more fun to root for them anyway, right? Yeah, it is. I'm I'm definitely being a pessimist because I mean, talent wise, this team is talented enough to to do good things. They just don't seem to put it together. All right, Alex, optimist or pessimist? Where are you going to go? Well, first things first. Way to humble brag your knowledge of geography, there, Steve. Secondly, did I say the I city think, name right? Yeah, you did. Uh, I think there's <laughs> obviously they got to get six wins. So here's where I would say the six wins are most likely. They are going to beat Iowa and Illinois at home they are going to beat Rutgers and Northwestern on the road and they are going to beat Wisconsin at home and Indiana at home that gets you six and that'll get you 10 wins and that'll get you into the tournament they cannot afford even I think I think even if they get to six in another way they cannot afford to lose to Illinois again so Wednesday January 30th I think is the first game uh, of this final stretch to sort of determine whether or not they make the tournament and i don't think they can lose uh, to wreckers on the road particularly at, at that point they're uh, they're going to be a bubble team the rest of the year unless something very good or very bad happens so if they get to Rutgers on february 24th and lose in piscataway then i think that probably seals their chances to get out of the tournament like my very intelligent colleagues i too believe that they have the talent to do that i think that's a really big ask so i will uh, as the eternal optimist say yes they will make the tournament they're going to squeak in and be sort of like one of the last four in my prediction will be immediately shattered if they uh, go zero and two in their next two home games, because I don't see them beating Purdue either in West Lafayette or here. I am highly skeptical that Michigan will play as poorly at Williams Arena as they did 
in the Chrysler Center, and Maryland at the end is a real tough ask unless unless it's possible that Maryland's in a situation where they can't improve their ranking at all, and then maybe you get something uh, where a team is kind of taking the night off. But I don't think you bank on that. And also keep in mind, too, that if they are trying to pick up five wins the rest of the way, that would, at the very least, imply that they're getting three wins from you know against some teams with really good metrics, and that would definitely boost their profile. I mean, playing the Big Ten anyways is is um, a boost to your, to your resume, but they're not going to face the type of thing with uh, that, that Nebraska had last year where they're having a bunch of wins against lower t- uh, the, the, the bottom part of the conference. That's just not in the cards. And by design, getting to nine or ten wins means picking off some teams that are going to be in the tournament anyway. Yeah, they can. I mean, they actually can get to ten wins if they uh, sweep at home. I don't think they're going to do that, but it is possible. And in order to do that, that means they'll have to beat Purdue, Michigan, Wisconsin, Indiana, and Iowa, which would be, as you mentioned, five very nice wins along, obviously, with Illinois. So kind of to piggyback off of the initial question, what do you guys think is the ceiling as far as seeding if they go 10-10 and 10 in the conference and with the conference being as, as deep as it is? Because their strength of schedule on Ken Palm has already gone. It was at something like 120th before they played this recent stretch of conference games, and it's already up to 38th. And that's without a Michigan State game, a Michigan game, a Maryland game. You know, we're going to end up with probably one of the top 20 hardest schedules in the country, at least by Ken Palm's metrics. I think a seven seed. I mean, it's really hard to see a team that is 500 in the Big Ten certainly getting a five seed. And I don't think you tend to put, certainly historically, the NCAA tends to not really like to put lots of big conferences in that sort of six spot. So I think seven is probably the ceiling with 10 wins. My guess is if they get into the tournament, they are getting into the tournament as a nine or a 10 seed. Yeah, I feel like this year it's pretty well established that the Big Ten has the is is the top conference in the in the nation, and I don't think that goes unnoticed from a seeding perspective, especially if you're a team coming in there with ten wins, um, with with a resume that includes wins over some of the better teams in that conference. I think that gets rewarded and it probably puts them at at worst at the eight or nine line, um, and probably more likely at the at the seven, like Street said. You don't want my opinion. My bracket knowledge is horrible. My bracket is always terrible. I assume I'll be wrong. So no, that that doesn't disqualify if they're sneaking in at nine wins and or one of the last teams in. They're probably at the twelve line. Hey, but then they can be the twelve five upset. Oh yeah, we, we can repay the we re- repay it to Middle Tennessee State. <laughs> oh God, that game. Um, yeah, I'm here for any any. Uh, actually, I'm. I'm here for go to the tournament or not go to the tournament. They need to beat Iowa on Sunday because I set myself up with an ill-advised pride bet that has me wearing Iowa gear if they lose. So just beat Iowa, guys. That's all I really ask of you the rest of the season. He's a tall giant. He does not look good in black and gold. It's very true, and I'm happy with that most of the time except when forced to wear it because I lost a bet. All right. Let's say they don't make the tournament. You know, it's definitely a possibility. Should Minnesota move on from Richard Pitino if they don't make the tournament? That's, I think, kind of the the question that's underlying everything. 
right now. Uh, Mark, what, what's your take on that right at this point in the season? So, as mentioned earlier today on Slack, my opinion in this matter is very mercurial because I am always happy to bash Pacino, and I often like to blame him for some of the issues that crop up in the last six years, whether they actually are his fault or not. I like I like using him as a scapegoat. I'm not sure why. Maybe it's because of my secret harboring of love for Tubby, but manifesting itself in other ways. But actually, I'd almost rather them retain him, even if we do miss the tournament this year, because I'm still not 100% sure if he's a good or bad coach. And I think that maintaining continuity could help this program in the long, long term. I understand that maybe after six years, people are, people would think, oh, we're not seeing results, so we need to move on. But I think since Patino's younger and earlier in his career, he may need a little more time to grow. And I think based off of his decent recruiting abilities thus far, I may be more willing to give him a little bit longer of a leash but I would definitely expect just an overall improvement in performance and one of the things is is not necessarily looking at record but it's it's looking at games and do you get the feeling that the team is getting better over the season we talk a lot about that with the football team but I mean that Illinois game just completely inexplicable and it's Granted, Curry's still getting worked back at that point in time, but man, that that just looks really bad. So anyway, uh, I would I would say to keep him even if we do miss the tournament. Now, this is to assume we barely miss the tournament. If if we go on a tubby esque uh, collapse, it it may be time to uh, move on. I don't know, Steve. You you in agreement with that? I think you hit it right on the on the on the head there, Mark. I mean, it's it's kind of how he finishes the season. Um, you never want to move on from a coach to messy. We saw that with Tubby. Um, but it was how the, the optics are what did Tubby in, in the end. It was that he couldn't finish in February. Um, and it remains to be seen, you know, the, the six years need a giant asterisk because it's been completely S shaped. It has not been a direct line from year one to year six. There's been a ton of drama, personnel issues, injuries, things out of his control. When he had a healthy team, um, they were a five seed, and that's nothing to to, to gloss over. Um, we're halfway through the season. I really hate talking about this type of stuff when they haven't had a full resume of work for a year. Um, we were having this type of conversation, not a firing conversation, but we were talking about in in 2017 about this time. Where is this team headed? You know, they're three and five, three and six, looking like they're reeling a little bit. And then all of a sudden they rattle off seven straight wins, eight straight wins. And they're one of the best teams in the conference. I mean, it's something that Patino has done. Um, It's not like it's a pie in the sky thing where we hope he can do it. Um, And they did that against really good teams too. So at the end of the year, it's going to be how, how did they get there? If they don't make, if they miss the tournament, but it was close bubble team. I mean, you kind of got to got to unpack that from a from a case by case basis. If they squander if they squander February, look like they're lost. This is one of Patino's best teams. He's got all his guys in now. 
you got to look at that. Um, and if it's a disaster, then really what can you expect down the road? And that's what did Tubby in too, I think, was it? he had his guys. He wasn't getting the job done. There was too much February flopping, and people were ready to move on. It's it's kind of one of the, it's kind of that je ne sais quoi of how does this feel? Are we in the right direction? Are we seeing some improvement? Um, and I, I I definitely agree with Mark on that one. I have concerns that you are not excited to talk the hits and clicks gathering conversation that is should somebody be fired? Uh, why why are you a blogger again? Oh, I can punch I you am. to my uh, my my tubby. I, I was definitely on the fire tubby camp and there were some interesting articles I wrote um, around that time of it's time to go. I remember distinctly this game against Iowa where they, Iowa ran a zone and basically Minnesota didn't score in the second half at all. And I was like, this is, this is it. This is it. He can't coach against his own. This team is going nowhere. Incidentally, they made the tournament that year, which is kind of funny. Um, but it was, <laughs> But it was it, it, he had plateaued, and I was like, "We gotta." He's not going to bring us to where we got to go. I like how I challenge you, and you immediately pull out your fire coach CV <laughs> yeah. to uh, to defend yourself. It's second on my resume summary. <laughs> uh, Street, where are you at? Fire, retain if we don't make the tournament. Yes, he should be let go. This is a thing. This is a statement. It's not a thing. It's a statement that I have written many times. I've said it a couple of times in the podcast. After six seasons with all of his own talent and with quite a bit of talent, it is, in my view, if he doesn't make the tournament, given the roller coaster that has been Patino's coaching tenure at Minnesota, you look for somebody else. And in part, you look for somebody else because... There is no reason why Minnesota should not, certainly in the next five years, based on the likely recruiting ground in Minnesota, so the players that are coming up, as well as uh, the new athletic facility and additional investment into the athletic program, that Minnesota cannot be a team that we would expect to go better than 500. Now, it is the case that Minnesota, since really the Clem years that we don't talk about, has rarely, if ever, hit that mark. For Patino, it's very clear to me that at some point he will be a very good coach. And I very much hope he makes the tournament, not just because I'm a fan and I enjoy watching my team succeed. So I'm definitely not in like, oh, we should fire him because um, I'm all about those clicks or something. But it's likely to me that if he doesn't make the tournament that he will turn into a very good coach at a different university. Right now, I think Minnesota has a window to be very successful, both uh, especially looking at the 2020 class. Uh, There's a lot of talent that's coming through in 2020 and 2021 and 2022. You need somebody who is going to be able to effectively develop that talent. And it's unclear to me if that is Richard Pitino if this team doesn't make the tournament, because in many ways, this is his most talented team, even though it's not as deep as, as some of the previous ones. I will just go in on record as you let him go. And you guys have already taken all the good points, so I'll stop with that. Uh, This is normally where we talk about other sports, but the other sports have been underwhelming, uh, minus, uh, I guess, maybe women's hockey. So I'm going to do rapid-fire recap if you've paid zero attention to everything else. Women's hockey split with Wisconsin. That's the top two teams in the country. That's an okay result. Men's hockey got swept by Michigan State. We're never talking about that again. 
women's basketball has apparently done this thing where like they go up by eight points at the end of the third quarter and then the fourth quarter is the window when they just shit themselves and it's disturbing and i don't want to talk about that either and with that i think we're done does anyone have any good thoughts since i decided to take us on a complete debbie downer before i left the the podcast Uh, i have one thing football related for you oh what you got uh, all right, so get this. Uh, a long time ago in high school, I made a, uh, a pact with a friend that said if and when the Gophers go to the Rose Bowl, um, we have to get tickets no matter the cost, no matter what's going on in your life, you got to go. Um, so I was talking about that with him a few weeks ago, and I'm getting married on New Year's Eve this year. And he's like, you know what's going to happen, right? And I said, what? He goes, the, goes are, the Gophers are going to the Rose Bowl because you can't go on New Year's Day. And I was like, <laughs> wait, you're right. That would happen. That's exactly what's going to happen. And the Gophers going to the Rose Bowl. I just want I want you guys to know that. But I can't go. Well, well, what 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 kind of pact is this? You, it's come hell or high water, you got to be there, right? You just gotta you gotta do the uh, red eye after the wedding and the reception, and you gotta you gotta get to Pasadena. So I was having that conversation today with my fiance, and we did <laughs> meet in the middle. We're gonna postpone honeymoon planning. And if it, if the Gophers get to the Rose Bowl, we're going to Pasadena for the honeymoon. What is, is she Blades of Toledo? <laughs> <laughs> so I just wanted to share the good news. Well, first of all, uh, congratulations picking a wonderful future spouse. Uh, second of all, I'm glad to see that you figured out a way to make this happen because I made a pact and I'm wearing Iowa things. You can certainly <laughs> follow your pact and go to the Rose Bowl. Like that's where I was about to go with it, but I'm happy. I, I'm happy to find out instead that uh, you you have uh, married somebody who respects that this would be a momentous occasion and is willing to to wait to go to Fiji or something for two days until until you know we lose in the Rose Bowl, but are happy anyway. <laughs> Boy, you are in a dark place, aren't you? Uh, yes, it's it's a dark time. My timeline's a dark place. Uh, all right, thanks everybody for listening again to the Sky U podcast. Uh, go Gophers! Skyuma, row the boat.